The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is Bloomberg Business of Sports. The world's changing, and what are things we can do to, to transform our business and engage our fans globally in different ways? People are using their name and likeness to create more opportunities, more stakes in companies. In order to turn the organization around, we had to turn it around not only just on the baseball operations side, but on the business operations side. Football and any other sport is very difficult, but I like to broaden my horizons and be able to expand sports. You need to be consumed live, and that's a big competitive advantage for intellectual property holders of sports content in the media landscape. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Scarlett Fu. And I'm Mike Lynch. And I'm Michael Barr. Over the next hour, we will explore the big money issues in the world of sports and talk to some of the biggest players in the industry. Today, we're joined by Tennis Channel CEO Ken Solomon. Thank you so much for joining us. You're the Tennis Channel CEO. We are more than a year and a half into COVID. I can't believe it, but it's already happened. What kind of viewership numbers or habits have you seen that's permanently changed as a result? And what kind of habits have shifted back to what we saw before the pandemic, uh, at least when it comes to watching tennis? Well, um, boy, that's a lot. That could take up the whole show. I, I, I think that in general, as a, prog- a lifelong programmer, viewing habits are still um, changed, have, have still sort of shifted, and I'm not sure that going back or that we can say anything, I think it's going to take a, a long time. Uh, I think there's, like everything, and particularly with programming, there's obviously permanent shifts that have happened towards um, people adopting other platforms and multiple platforms as ways to watch, particularly when it comes to sports, particularly when it comes to tennis. You know, we've been lucky and worked hard uh, ourselves and with the tours and the players to keep continuity as much as possible. We stayed on the air. You guys may know when, the, when you know, in March <laughs> back in 2000, when it first hit back at Indian Wells, which is really the first big event in the world to go down and be the kind of canary in the coal mine. We said we feel it's important to stay on the air just to stay connected with people. It's something other than the news and what you bring to them and to give them an escape and, you know, learned how to produce differently and and then came back on, you know, in May of that year. And so we were able to, with, you know, socially distanced tennis, because tennis is pretty socially distant, you know, it's a, people are, the players are 65 feet apart. We created production protocols. So the patterns are are sort of all over the place. We've had big content changes as well. We've taken over both the complete ATP and WTA tours. We had, you know, the lion's share of them, but candidly didn't have some of the top, the final semis and finals at some of the top events in North America, Indian Wells, Miami, Cincinnati. We've added all of those uh, so that we now have a single brand destination across multiple platforms where people can watch. And, that's a shift that would have happened for us anyway. And so there's a lot of moving parts. And as you guys know, trying to figure out vis-a-vis where we are, vis-a-vis where we used to be, we're kind of looking ahead. And we've done really had remarkable um, advancement 
in terms of numbers and people watching and people using multiple platforms. We own tennis.com. We've launched globally. So it's been a, it's been like a moving day kind of a situation for a while. We, we chose to try to use a sport that people love both to play personally and to watch these great pros that we're, you know, witnessing here in the U S open to take advantage of making it better. And I think uh, overall, it's been a remarkable moment, uh, despite having everybody having to endure something no one ever expected. Hey, Ken, it's Mike Lynch up in, in Boston. Um, do you still feel this, the, your guys that are on site, they still feel the, the same buzz they felt back in 2019 when there were fans allowed there and things were, quote-unquote, normal, uh, despite all the withdrawals and uh, some of the big names that have been knocked out of this tournament? Oh, goodness. I mean, I think uh, anyone who's watched, thanks for asking, Mike. I think, um, you know, we've proven a point we've been trying to make for a while, but people always think you're just trying to make lemonade out of lemons, which is that there are so many phenomenal young stars um, in addition to the great, you know, icons who we've been so fortunate to have for the last couple of decades uh, in the in the big three or four guys, include Andy Murray and with obviously – Roger, Rafa, and Novak on the men's side and on the women's side, obviously the Williams sisters and you know, Maria Sharapova did not too long ago. But, you know, I, I think we have in the last two weeks proven what we, we know, which is that there are so, just these amazing talents that we, we have had and have been seeing. And, you know, it, it's kind of tough because on the one hand, we love them so much and we hope, we wish they could play forever and, Sometimes it feels like they can, you know, with Roger and, uh, you know, uh, passing 40. But when you have the likes of, you know, just what's gone on in this event, and I won't go down them all right now, um, I think we've shown that the excitement and the enthusiasm for young players and the new players um, is something that we've needed this fresh new blood for a while. It's attracting younger audiences. Our audiences have, have continued to get, younger and not to the exclusion of, 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 uh, of older audiences. And it's all that we want. So we, you know, with 128 men and 128 women, there never fails to be just in the singles draw alone, not to mention doubles. There never fails to be amazing storylines that capture people's imaginations, whether it's Francis Tiapo or now FAA, um, or, or I mean, I go down the list. It's it's quite extensive, and obviously Layla Fernandez has burst on the scene, and and but it's it's a long list of exciting personalities. So we we relish the chance to bring them to the fore and have people, you know, a broader, wider funnel discover these new talents. I want to expand on that because Ken, it isn't just seeing the uh, the people, the uh, household names that aren't there. Also, this is the first U.S. Open for singles, men or women, where there is not a U.S. player in the tournament semifinals on. And But it doesn't seem to make a difference because tennis is an international sport and everybody just wants to see good tennis. Yeah, I agree, Michael. I mean, <clears throat> this has also been one of our... Um, you know, the trumpets that we have blown for a long time when, you, when you're called Tennis Channel and you do it 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we're not changing our name, uh, <laughs> we're going to be doing this forever. You, you, we have been asked since, you know, for 17 years, well, gee, don't you wish. And tennis has always had stars 
that that transcend borders. You know, I can go back to growing up from Bjornborg and Rod Laver, you know, it, and there were Americans mixed in there. And, you know, once you know who a personality is, I don't think anybody's looking at Layla Fernandez and going, God, if she was only American instead of Canadian, despite the heritage of her parents. Um, or for that matter, Naomi Osaka, who's obviously had some troubles in the near term, but yeah. we have no doubt will be back. I mean, Naomi, sure, is taking... Japan is her home. Her father is Haitian, but she's lived in the United States. And if you listen to her, it's hard to imagine her as being something else. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I really think that it, for us, it's all about galvanizing the personalities. And once you do, country is fun, but less important. It's an important identifier if, if, if you don't know somebody. I'm so glad you bring up some of these big names like Naomi Osaka. Um, Michael Barr and I were just talking about how we read this article in the New York Times about how um, despite all this love for tennis, the pros who play in tennis um, are often miserable. Naomi Osaka um, has made really clear her struggles with depression, mental health. Bjorn Borg, back in the day, um, quit tennis completely after losing his fourth U.S. Open final. Steffi Graf quit at age 30 after winning the French Open title and a Wimbledon final. Um, players like Paula Badosa speak of depression. From where you sit, Ken, why do you think this is and how does it ultimately <clears throat> infuse or affect your content? Well, um, I think that, again, what you have is such a broad rainbow of personalities who play the game. You're talking about hundreds and hundreds of individuals. And, I mean, I think one of the reasons you guys tell me that we love sports so much is because it's a reflection of real life, amplified. And uh, that's not just a quaint colloquialism. You can see the difficulties and the great benefits of life played out on a court within, you know, three or five sets uh, or less. And so, you know, it is not easy, as is life not easy, to, to succeed or fail, to have expectations placed upon you. Um, tennis is particularly rigorous. It is an individual sport, as you guys know, where you are centrally out there on your own. And as we you know, we have this uh, film we made called Strokes of Genius with Ra about Rafael Nadal, Roger Federer, and and uh, or it's about their their rivalry. And in it, you know, Rafa closes out the whole film by saying, you know, we play this game and we win and we lose, and you're going to lose more than you're going to win, hmm. and you have to learn how to do that, and you have to learn how to you know, be able to take that and turn that into a positive. If there are 128 men, 128 women playing in the last two weeks, I know I keep saying it, 127 are not going to do what they set out to do. And that is something that you have to deal with when you're a high-performing athlete, um, as well as a human being. And I think we forget, you know, for all that's gone on with Naomi Osaka, she's 24 years old. Layla Fernandez is 18 years old, and you know I look at her. I have socks older than Layla, uh, they're not, and they're <laughs> and she is amazing, you know. And she will. Who knows what burdens will be placed on her because of her success? Paula Badoza is a, an amazing human being. We all struggle, I think, with the kind of things that we hear from them. They have an amplification, and the beauty of what we're able to do at least as Tennis Channel, is to tell their stories in their voice as they would like. We don't need to just have the temporal moment of the open to be able to explore these themes and help people work through them. Mm. 
Ken, who does that better than anyone on the tour right now, turning a negative into a positive? Oh, boy. Um, I, I, it's, I think so many of the players on the tour, that is the definition of, of how you succeed. You know, the, the short memory, the, the taking the negative. I mean, I, I, it's hard not to think again of Rafa just because it's, it's so clear, you know, and, and the best little example of that is when he loses, uh, when he gets broken, when his serve is broken, his, his break back percentage is, you know, high eighties or 90%. I forgot the actual number. So call it nine out of 10 times when someone breaks him, which is obviously not easy to do. He breaks them right back. That is, that can only be taking the, the energy that just caused you to essentially fail at what you attempted to do and, and, um, and turn it around. I'll tell you, I mean, let's just talk about right now because we're living in the moment and that's the beauty of, as well and certainly the beauty of tennis which is always on from january to december uh francis tiafo you know who ultimately lost to felix Oje alissima who is his good friend but i watched him you know here's a young man whose parents are sierra, sierra leone immigrants and you know who lived in college park and lives in college park maryland just outside of washington and that fabulous facility our good friend ray benton has been a part of forever and you know he's, he was four years old he is, when he, they put a racket in his hand, his father was the custodian at the facility. Francis w- would be down. I was at this, you know, courtside till 2 a.m., 2.30 in the morning, courtside when he was he's playing Andre Rublev. And Andre Rublev is an, a fierce competitor and a wonderful young guy. And Francis would get down love 30 on his serve, and you thought, uh-oh, it's, it's end, you know, his momentum has been broken his concentration has ended and he'd take that and turn it around and he held on all of those service games and ended up ultimately winning um Layla Fernandez has just shown it you know again I, we're talking about her a lot I don't want to focus on it and there's so many great personalities that's what they do that is literally what you must do to win this game mm-hmm. is f- find another gear as the great athlete as the great uh, analysts say well, there are a lot of stories coming out of this U.S. Open, and yep, I'm going there. Stefano Tsitsipas, uh, he has whizzed mm-hmm. off a lot of people <laughs> yeah. because he would take these bathroom breaks in the middle yeah. of the match, and uh, and it yeah. has upset a lot of his opponents. Uh, yes. can, can you explain that whole controversy and, and what will the tennis world do in your opinion about this if they need to do yes. anything at all yes um well first i i think that back to the last question i mean here is an example of what i truly believe and we know stefanos very well um he's a marvelous person uh, a warm-hearted person a fierce competitor he has worked hard his whole life to get to this moment and the sort of you know, the white-hot spotlight has taken something and I think amplified it. Um, and, you know, pub- public sentiment right now, the thumb is pointing down in the gladiatorial arena on what he's been doing. Uh, let me break it down for you as I see it. Um, and I think that that amplification has been a bit too much, and we're all jumping on this. And and uh, I'm not saying we shouldn't talk about it. We should. But I want to make sure that we're not just repeating assumptions of of what others have said. So my understanding, as I see it, is first of all, 
that I think there's a confluence of a couple of different things that are being conflated here. And I don't know that they've handled it properly in explaining what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a rule that allows him to do this, to take this break. And so let's start with the, the foul that would be cried is, well, you're, 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 you're doing a loophole, right? You're taking advantage of a rule um, that really isn't good sportsmanship. Well, I, I know Stefano Tsitsipas, he is a good sportsman. And what I have spoken to his teams, and he, um, and I, I know this, Stefano's, first of all, if you look at him, the f- amazing competitor who has just gone to a level in a short period of time that people were wondering if he would get to. And he really is one of the players who is, the young players who is in the moment, you know, fighting to to see if he and Zverev and Medvedev and, and Dominic Team, who's on our hair right now, is, is he's injured, can be the next the next great champion or one of the next great champions to replace the Rafas and the Rogers and whatnot. Now, he also perspires a lot. And he is a very methodical individual. Um, and so I know that when he was, there is a very senior top player on the tour right now who said, you know, you can take that moment to reset. And he was actually counseled hmm. by a player on the tour to say, go ahead, not as, not for gamesmanship, but to use the moment to change your shirt, get your head together. Now you can argue whether resetting is right or not. And if it's not change the rule, but he's not breaking a rule. Right. And I'm just giving you the contrary opinion and he is not doing it. There's a, but there's another big issue here that, that is under the subtext, which is, People think that he's going in there to get a coaching session or he's texting. The truth is, he is not. I know this for a fact. Okay. He is not going in and doing that. The problem is, he does believe coaching should be allowed. So when they ask him the question, what are you doing? Or, what, you know, why are you taking rules and what are you, are you coaching? He doesn't say, hold on a second. I'm not going in there and getting coached. Dad's outside. He's not texting with his father, mm. which is what people assume. He is methodically putting his racket down. He's very Rafa-like in slow motion off the court on those breaks. Mm-hmm. And so the world has made an assumption, and he has not helped himself because in a press conference, and again, a young guy from Greece who has been thrust into the spotlight after years of working to get there. And there's a lot of different things going on here, and people are assuming the worst this is a good guy this is a guy with a white hat this is a uh, i mean he's amazing and there is this one little thing and you know people have hyper focused on it if the rule should change the rule should change and is it in not great form that is arguable but he is not necessarily doing the worst thing but here's what i will tell you ultimately all of this stuff it blows my mind and I love it. And this is one of the great benefits of being Tennis Channel and Tennis.com and all the different things that we are, that people do focus on it so much, that it becomes the conversation globally is, is a competitor doing. And it's amazing. I won't be able to go in a room for the next two months anywhere in the world, although I'm not going to be traveling the whole world that much, um, or talk to people globally without this being a conversation. And you know what? I love that. I think that's what makes it so great. He's great. He will be back. 
uh, I believe, in the in the positive spotlight with a halo, you know, not a pitchfork over his head. <laughs> Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. And I feel like that speaks to how much of tennis these days is about the moments like that as opposed to the ball in play. Um, I, yeah. Our colleague Jason Kelly was talking to Serena Williams's coach who says that mm-hmm. um, 15% of the time the ball's in play, the other 85% of the time other things are going on in a tennis broadcast. I, I want to get to the business of tennis and the business of broadcast yeah. for a moment here because um, I was reading that in April 2020, so that's what, one month after the pandemic began, mm-hmm. you launched in Germany, in Austria, and Switzerland. Yeah. And then in August of this year, you launched uh, your streaming service in the UK and I believe India as well. Tell us Correct. how that's going quickly and why you chose the last two specific markets, India and the UK. Sure. Um, it's going very well. This is, again, one of those overnight successes that's been years in the making. We wanted to figure out how could we appropriately, by region globally, duplicate um, the success that we've had in complementing tennis as it exists in the media in any given region. Mm-hmm. So in the United States, we built the suit to fit. It's ended up that we've, we've got a piece of all the majors and, and now both tours totally. I'm not expecting that for a while, at least around the world. Uh, Germany, Austria, and Switzerland were our first launch. We partnered with Deutsche Tennis, uh, Deutschland Tennis, which is obviously the German Tennis Federation. So we started by doing a pay streaming service there. Uh, you know, in Europe, adoption rates are, 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 are pretty significant. And, and so this was like bringing water to the ocean. The ability to have an always-on destination for this particular sport is critical for fans because it lives all the time. When we leave a major, the next minute that it's over, we're on with, a, with three, four, five events globally simultaneously with multiple courts. And that never ends to the World Tour Finals for the men and the women at the end of the year. So India and Germany, Aust- uh, I'm sorry, Austria and Switzerland launched first with a pay app and now with a, we, we have got uh, millions of, we've got six million um, homes. We are part of Samsung, Samsung TV Plus in those markets, where it's OEM built into the, um, you know, into the set, uh, and as part of their regular programming. So when you buy a Samsung set, a new Samsung set in those markets, we are automatically included a tennis channel, mm-hmm. and we've got in language content for them. The UK next, obviously, a huge tennis market, and frankly. We were uh, we launched in the UK a because it's part of the fabric of of the culture of the UK as it is really all around the world. But they, were, they came to us and said we really think that there's a need for this now. And again, we launched this one as a free ad supported service. You know, fast is the acronym, and and I think that all your listeners who are listening to the business side of this, uh, mark my words, fast channels are going to be, or free ad-supported streaming channels, where they're linear. This is television. This is broadcast. It's, you know, I don't think that pay streaming is really the replacement 
to broadcast. And India, also huge tennis culture. I was just with my friend Vijay Armitage. His son Prakash is on our air. He's one of our lead announcers. You can't walk around India with, with you know, with with him and, and not be stopped for an autograph, yeah. no matter uh, generationally. And there's always been a tennis culture there. And, you know, pretty big population base to target in India, needless to say, with a huge growing middle class. So we also had demand there, and we're doing that both ways. And we're really going to end up rolling out the entire world. We've built a platform. We've got the ability to scale that very, very appropriately whenever we could – sort of flip on the whole world now, but we feel it's important to go region by region and make sure that we launch properly and have the right partnerships in place. And the last thing I'll say is we're doing it in every one of those regions on two platforms because we both have streaming, either free or pay, or tied to broadcast, where we like to complement the existing broadcast. But we also have Tennis.com, which is global, and also geotargetable, so we're, we'll do more and more in language there. Ken, talk about the impact of sports betting and gaming on viewership. This well, question's for Barr, by uh, the way. <laughs> Pardon me? <laughs> this is a personal interest of Michael Barr. Aha, Michael, come sit by me. Come on. Um, look, this is one of my favorite topics because, you know, everyone's like, wow, this is new, sports betting. You know, we've been the only, you know, as Tennis Channel going into our, I think, 18th year here. Uh, I'm too old to, to be able, i got to take off my you know shoes and count my toes to figure out how old we are now. <laughs> Um, we, we, we have been, we have been talking about, we've been the only country in the world where they're not betting on tennis. Um, and it's always been a little bit frustrating because people say, what's it going to be like? Is tennis going to be able to, you know, handle it? And, you know, this is one sport, unlike the organized sports in the United States, who are all quite quickly figuring out their place in this and evolving it where we've been doing it for a long, long time. We've been preparing for this really for over a decade. And look, I go back to, I think this country's interesting. Uh, it's another great sort of sociological test in that, uh, you know, this is the country where temperance was preached and, uh, you know, you weren't able to buy a bottle of booze. Um, but, uh, you know, it, the truth is prohibition was not probably the cure. And in this case, most wagering is about fun engagement to your question. And it's a way for people to get excited about something and to engage more. And whether you, uh, you know, get a couple of friends sitting around a table and everyone throws in a nickel uh, and it becomes more interesting, or you're doing a box, you know, a box score pool for March Madness or, or, you know, the, the, you know, the Super Bowl. um, People who know nothing about the game and who are playing a game of chance and putting up a buck or two and with a chance to win a hundred, um, uh, it's, it's a reason for them to all of a sudden pay attention. And if it's nothing more than the last couple, um, uh, you know, numbers on the score, they're going to be, it, it just brings a new level of fun and excitement. It is entertainment. It is a way for people to have another level of, of connectivity to the sport and you know 95% of these bets are prop are are you know couple buck prop bets where people are guessing you know how it's going to come out and the beauty of tennis is a couple of things tennis is the second most gambled upon sport in the world and is it's not really? everyone who loves tennis loves to bet the most uh-huh. 
it's be, it's there are three real reasons for that. Um, number one, tennis is it's a universal standard, so there are more people in the world who watch and play the game than most other sports. It's you, it, there's no country, there's no corner of the world where tennis isn't played. It's the same rules and it's the same stars who are followed. It's also played in every corner of the world, right? Tennis comes to you, whether it's the Pacific Rim, South America, North America, Europe, Eastern Europe, pick a South Africa, pick a country, pick a region, tennis is there. And it's part of the culture there locally, which is why it's good to launch these international networks. This stuff all does tie together. Um, but you have a, just a broader base. Probably the single, the two most important reasons why tennis is, is so um, popular when it comes to as a way to engage through making a wager, fantasy or real money, I might add, um, is number one because of the ubiquitous nature of the footprint of the game itself. And that's why we exist, because you need a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week tennis channel and series of channels now, you know, with many of them, both streaming and through broadcast and through the web, because it's always on with multiple courts. We have a bracketed sport that is the equivalent of March Madness every day. And, you know, you need to make sense of that. When it comes to betting, not only are the tennis fans maybe making a wager, but it's fans of other sports. If it's, you know, maybe it's cricket in India that, you know, when the cricket match is over, which is almost never, um, you, you know, you, you go to the, that betting page and there are 20 tennis matches on at any given moment with personalities and names you know. And you can, you know, test your skill or just take a shot at somebody you, you like a lot. Um, so there's, it, there's always a chance to make a wager on tennis, and a lot of that's just about, well, the opportunity is there for people when they're done. And then the last reason, which I don't know, you tell me, maybe this is even bigger, the format is absolutely built for the <laughs> fun of trying to figure out what's going to happen, and then everything resets because it's a point, game, set, match tournament where you can – Literally say, if you just take the most basic, uh, call it an ace, right? How many mm -hmm. aces? How many aces in this game? Okay, I'm sitting with my friend or my son or daughter or wife, and although we're not betting with each other because it'll all be my money in the end. Um, and, and they're, you know, it's like, how many aces do you think this game? How many aces do you think this set? How many aces do you think this match? How many this tournament? Yeah. How many this week? How many this year? How many till the end of the year? Who's going to have the most aces of the year? And so it, you know, take that game and the line changes with every game because this is one of the few games where it resets. So you can have, as we have seen, as we saw just yesterday, you know, Daniel Medvedev um, pretty much, you know, first of all, I mean, when he gives up a set, to Botik, this uh, Dutchman who's from the Netherlands, whose name I am not going to go for his last name. It's the <laughs> only one I'm not going to try. Um, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, you're thinking it's done. He's out, you know, he got blown out in the second set. You don't lose two sets in a row to Daniel Medvedev, including I think getting bageled or one game in the second. And then all of a sudden he comes back. Yeah, You can yeah. imagine that line. And yeah. the last thing is we are a culture that has evolved. Yeah, I was in the general entertainment business, although I always loved tennis before this. 
you know, when you ask people what movie they saw, they'll tell you the box office, right? We, we are a data-driven, scoreboard-based yes. kind of, you know, society and global society now. We keep track. And so it's, it's fun. And what you're doing with a betting line is you're getting instantaneous polling results. Right. Which right. we all love. We want to know what other people think. So we've got our an- we've got what you think. We've got our analysts. And if they're good, you are going, oh, my goodness, I didn't realize the way Jim Currier or Lindsey Davenport or Tracy Austin or James Blatt, you go down the list, they've made me think differently and a little smarter about what's going on out there. Right. They add more That's insights one- so that folks like Michael Barr yeah, have better and- information to then make their next side bet. Barr, I, I see you smiling. Darn and then you get, <laughs> Then you get the whole world going, well, here's what, here's what the... The gladiatorial arena again. What's I like the that. Up, the gladiatorial arena. Ken, I really appreciate your joining us uh, today on Bloomberg Business of Sports. Um, fantastic conversation here as the U.S. Open continues to unfold and Michael Barr makes his way over eventually. Lynchy and I will be watching um, mm. on streaming, of course. M- Michael, come find us. You know, strap your mask on and come find us. I, I-, I would love to say one more thing, which you guys will hopefully appreciate, which is. I think that the U.S. Open, the USTA, the players, and everybody deserve a tremendous amount of credit, mm. not only for being able to, to pull this off two years in a row and last year in a very different circumstances, but the thing that has made my heart jump so much is that they made the decision and with the government to say, we're going to do this, but you have to be vaccinated. Yeah. And as I sat in a stadium full of vaccinated people, mm-hmm. They were relaxed. It doesn't mean that they didn't need to socially distance, but we did it right. Yeah. And we're able to basically live the way we're supposed to live with some adjustments. And it allowed us to have what we really wanted, right? Which was to get, and it just, it shows you that if you just do pay attention, if you just do get vaccinated, we can put 27,000 people in a, in a, in a building. And you know what? Everything's okay. And uh, or as good as it can be. So I, I think that that's a huge milestone in in sort of showing, you know, the differences in how you approach these things. And hopefully others will be able to take note and it'll get us closer to normal. soon. We'll definitely be bringing that up with uh, the other folks we speak with. Ken, thank you so much for your time today. Tennis Channel CEO Ken Solomon with us. Thanks, guys. Been great being with you. You're a favorite. We love you. You've been listening to the Bloomberg Business of Sports. We're here each and every week at the same time, plus online wherever you get your podcasts. And catch those on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Scarlett Fu, or on Twitter, at Scarlett Fu. And I'm Mike Lynch. You can follow me at LynchyWCVB. And I'm Michael Barr. You can follow me on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.